911, what is your emergency? It's not really emergency, miss. Why are you calling 911 if you don't have an emergency? Um, it, can you talk to my mom? Why do you want me to talk to your mom? She's in heaven. Miss, well, can you so tell me, mommy? maybe some of the crazy mommy, phone mommy, calls. That mommy. one's from the United States oh, yeah. here in the city of Toronto. I don't think in Canada 911 calls are released. I think the only time that they're released is when they are... Uh, evidence in a case and the case is over and somebody's been found uh, not guilty or um, guilty. So ask a 911 operator anything. We'll take your phone calls at 416-872-1010 or at 71010 on text if you would like to send us one. We're joined right now by communications operator at Toronto Police. Jennifer Weigel joins us right now. Jennifer, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. So let's talk about uh, maybe when you were a child, if I told you you would be taking all of the phone calls, the worst and maybe sometimes the best. I'm guessing there are a lot of happy endings to what could potentially be a bad story. But you ha you hear from the worst of everybody in a big city. Uh, if I told you you would be doing that when you were a kid, would you think that would be a good idea? Uh, I honestly didn't even know the job existed when I was a child. So no, probably not. And what kind of training does so? How do you how do you get that job then? Um, well, you have to go through uh, extensive testing, and then um, should you be a successful candidate, you do your interview, and then you go through uh, several weeks of training. I think it's uh, thirty-two weeks or thirty-four weeks now of training before you're actually uh, live on the floor. Yeah, and what kind of training is that? Um, well, you're learning policies, procedures, uh, how to talk to people. Um, just basically how to handle the situations. So, I mean, you have to learn how to calm someone down or you have to learn how, I mean, any number, you're almost a, a social worker, I'm guessing. Um, at points it can be like that, yes. Unfortunately, you can't, um, you can't really be taught how to calm someone down. You tend to learn the skills on the fly. Every situation is so different from uh, the next one that what works for one caller may not work for another. So how does it work in Toronto? You get all of the phone calls because I'm guessing some of them could be a violent shooting or a stabbing. Another one could be a health concern, perhaps a heart attack. And another one could be for, hey, I think I smell smoke and I see some flames out the window of my neighbor's house across the street. So what were, what, how does it happen in Toronto? So when any person calls into 911, um, we ask them if they're looking for police, ambulance, or fire. And so um, basically, depending upon their answer, whether it's for the heart attack, we put them through to ambulance, or whether it's for the fire, we put them through to them, or if it's um, for a shooting, something like that, where there's somebody injured and there's a crime in progress, we're all on the line together. And when you've... Uh, so and how long have you been doing it, by the way? Um, I'm going into my 10th year this year. Your tenth year. A little bit later on, I want to talk about how. What was your what was your first day like? I guess is my question. Um, there was. It, it was very crazy. I. We have um, terms that we like to use on the operational floor, such as things like black clouds, which means that you seem to get all of the worst calls, the very high priority, the crimes in progress, and I seem to be one of those people. So my first few days up on the floor. I learned, had to learn very quickly because I seemed to get the worst of the worst and I didn't have a chance to sort of um, slowly get into the thick of things I was in it 
right from the get-go. And how many people are working at the same time? I guess it depends time of day, but how many people are in that room taking phone calls with you? Um, it, it does depend on the time of day. Um, all of the call takers and the dispatchers are in the same room together. So at any given time, there's roughly 35 to 50 people in yep. the same room. And how many of those calls, you said that the calls come through you and then you decide if this is one that we, the police, handle or we send it to fire or paramedics. So are, are there some where you're like, OK, I guess we're sending everybody or we're sending, you know, two of uh, the three or any number of those different things? Um, yeah, so like uh, accidents where there's injuries, it's it could be all three of us going because if somebody's trapped, fire's going for that part, ambulance is going for the injuries, we're going for the accident. Um, calls where there's shootings, everybody's going for that as well. Uh, some things like um, for fire calls, if there's no injuries, fire is the, the main on that, but we could be going to block roads and things like that if they, you know, for their safety, for the safety of pedestrians, things like that. So I want to play one more 911 call. And again, I want to stress that these are not from Toronto. These are like the hilarious ones uh, doing air quotes here, the one might make YouTube of people who are, you know, abusing the system. And I think it's one thing that we want to underline that people know that they shouldn't be using their um, 911 service for things like this. Do you have an emergency, sir? Yes, I do. My emergency is my phone don't work. Okay, what's your address? So I'm guessing you get a lot of people who, I don't know, the pizza wasn't delivered on time, any number of different things. Can you give us a, a handful of some of the silliest things that you've heard from the people of Toronto? Uh, well, um, there, we do do a lot of computer and cell phone tech support sometimes. Um, so the, in order to dial into your phone provider, it's 611. So sometimes we get those calls on 911, but they do expect us to help out with their phone problems because they finally reach through to somebody. And what happens? Do you send somebody out? I mean, do you tell them that they're abusing a service and perhaps holding somebody up who really needs to, like somebody might not be able to get through to 911 who's got a real emergency? Oh, absolutely. We, we tell them. Um, some people are insistent that we help them, you know, especially because they finally have a live person on the phone and they don't like sitting on hold. Um, but we do educate them and let them know that, you know, you're tying up a line. There could be babies dying, fires happening, those kinds of things. Um, we have calls for stray cats and raccoons that, are, that get into people's houses, and they insist upon us coming over to get them out. Um, we've had a, people call that they've gotten uh, rotten milk or rotten pineapples from the grocery store and insist that we um, return them for them. There's, there's, it's endless stories of the silliness that we get. But I'm guessing also, while people are abusing it, there are some marginal stories of maybe somebody who's just really alone or somebody who, I don't know, uh, somebody, could you get calls from people who were suicidal? Oh, absolutely. Um, we have, we do get quite a few calls from uh, elderly people in the city who are very lonely. And we do our best to check on them to make sure that they have what they need to in order to um survive properly if we need to. I mean, a lot of it goes based on our instincts from the conversations that we have. So we do spend the time and make sure that, um, you know, our, our, our citizens are taken care of. So elderly people will call and just say, I'm lonely. Um, it's not so much that they will admit to being lonely, but you can tell by the conversation that they're attempting to have. Uh, Jennifer, somebody wants to know, have you ever had to call 911? Uh, yes, actually, unfortunately, I did have to call uh, just last summer. We, uh, my neighbors had a house fire, 
And so we had to call in for 911 for that. No, I don't live in the city, but yeah. I, I have had to use the service. And is yet. it odd when the person that you know the person who answers the phone, or did you know the person who answers the phone? No, it was in uh, Durham region, okay. so I, I didn't know the person, but um, yeah. Have you ever received a phone call? I mean, this is almost a scene from a movie, but a texter wants to know, have you received a phone call from someone that you knew? Uh, I have received uh, two calls from somebody that I knew in the city. Yes. And is um, I don't know if you want to tell the circumstances, but is that uh, is that un- is that weird? Um, I think that it becomes kind of a moot point because you're too busy trying to deal with the situation to really um, focus on the part of knowing the caller. And you have to send police over if, say, somebody called and then hung up. There's a worry that, I don't know, maybe the, somebody is being abused and somebody forced them to hang up the phone. Does a police officer always have to be sent over in that circumstance, or what happens? Uh, yes. So in a 911 call where we can't get any voice contact, specifically when it's coming from a landline, not always from a cell phone, but from landlines, um, we will send to ensure that everything's okay. And a lot of the time we go based on the things we hear uh, more so than the things that are actually said to us. Because we tend to develop what we call our spidey senses. But, you know, it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. You know something's not right. And have you ever heard from someone during a home invasion where they have to whisper because they're afraid that the person who's broken into the home would hear them? Yeah, we've had, I've had a caller myself who was uh, locked themselves in a closet because there's somebody that had broken into their home and they're whispering over the phone, yeah. And how difficult is that? Um, it becomes very difficult because you're trying to get as much information as you can and you're trying to at least somewhat calm the caller so that they're assured that help is on the way, but still trying to get them to give you as much information as possible because they don't want to speak. They're afraid of being found. And in something like that, is it hard for you to not become emotionally involved? Uh, It's extremely hard. Um, There's certain type of calls that each uh, communications operator has that becomes personal for them. A lot of people have trouble with children that call or with issues with babies and and children and elderly. It it just depends, right? A lot of people become sensitive to calls with animals involved where there's cruelty or the hurt, that kind of stuff, for sure. What kind of phone calls have you received from kids? Um, I had my most memorable one. It was a six-year-old little girl who had called because mommy uh, wasn't awake. And we couldn't ascertain if she was breathing or not. She, it, it turned out she was having a medical episode and everything was fine, but it was very hard getting the information out of her. And she was upset, obviously, because there's something wrong with mom. But um, the children ones are very hard. So with something like that, let's, I'm, I'm making this up. I'm not, I'm not going necessarily off that phone call. But if you know paramedics came and they were taken to the hospital or something like that or the police came... Do you ever ask to be informed or do you have the right to just for your own curiosity to make sure that, you know, everything worked out fine? Do you ask for a follow up to say, oh, how did that, you know, let me know if the person involved in that shooting or the stabbing or something like that. Could you let me know how things worked out? Uh, yeah, we do. We are allowed to ask. Um, we will ask the officers, you know, is everything OK? Was the child OK? Um, we can follow up with them later. And, uh, yeah. and just make sure for our own peace of mind. Have you ever been really emotional, maybe cried at the end of a shift or needed to take a break because something was really violent on the other end? Maybe you're involved, with, you're listening to, I don't know, uh, some drunk threaten their spouse? Um, I, I have cried before, for sure. Uh, it 
For me, the ones that get me the most are the children. So I've had um, baby deaths, unfortunately, while on the phone, and uh, those are the ones that tend to uh, have me react the most. Can you tell me what the circumstances were? Um, this one was, uh, it was a lady that called in, uh, the child wasn't breathing, she was a daycare provider, and um, she, it turns out that the child had a disease that nobody knew about, uh -huh. and the baby wasn't breathing, and uh, she, she wasn't aware, and it, by the time we all got there, it was too late, unfortunately. So is there an element, and I alluded to this off the top, of a PTSD sort of thing that Again, you're listening to people talk about stabbings. Somebody had a heart attack and they're panicking because they don't want to lose their spouse or a shooting or a child wondering why their mom won't wake up. Is there a, a kind of a, a PTSD thing that might go hand in hand with hearing these horrible stories five days a week, eight hours a day? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, You tend to try um, to... I guess try to block them out as much as you can. We also try to talk about it as much as we can, but sometimes it, it doesn't it doesn't help. And you tend to, for whatever reason, when there's a type of call that bothers you the most, you seem to get a lot of those. And so it seems to weigh on you more and more. Um, you can't, I mean, we, we get up, we walk away, we take a breath, but sometimes that next call that comes in when you plug back in is the same call all yeah. over again, it seems. Have you ever thought of walking away from the job? Because, I mean, I guess it's really rewarding, but on the other hand, what you just mentioned, have you ever thought about walking away or have people walked away because it's become too much? Um, I'm sure that there has been people that have walked away because it's too much. I myself, um, I really enjoy my job, so I'm not, I'm not at that point yet. Um, that's not to say it couldn't happen in the future, but for me right now, no. Um, but there definitely has been people that were the the stress of it has gotten to be too much. Everybody knows nine one one, but sometimes it's you know your parent who might be new to the country who's calling it, and they might not speak English. But the Toronto Police Service is pretty uh, is a, is is able to handle a lot of different languages, but. You know, there are so many different languages in our diverse city. Is that ever a problem? Uh, no, we have uh, a language line service that we use for callers who don't speak English. Uh, we do have a lot of operators that are multilingual uh, in our communication center as well. But should they not be available at the time of the call, then we have uh, outside sources we can use. Have you ever been on the line actually maybe even had to be called into court as a witness because you heard what was going on and it's documented on tape and you and you have to kind of act as a witness is that something that happens uh that is something that happens i myself have not had that experience yet though but have you ever listened to a crime go down on the phone in the background um i've not perhaps a domestic assault maybe but nothing nothing else that i can think of and off the top of my head. So we all have, uh, most of us anyway, have uh, passcodes on our phones now. Has that entirely solved the problem of butt dialing, uh, accidentally butt dialing 911? <laughs> I wish I could say yes to that. Unfortunately, no. We still get uh, a large number of um, pocket dials, butt dials, all of them, yeah. Yeah. And is there anything that you would tell people about that? I mean, in terms of what they can do with their phone to make sure it doesn't happen? Well, every phone is different, so unfortunately yeah. I don't know um, what to tell them as to prevent it, but I, I can say that if you do notice you've dialed into 911, don't hang up. Talk to us and let us know that everything is okay, because otherwise we have to call back.
And so and how has cell phones easier. changed things? Because if I was calling from a landline, you could know that I'm at 352 Jones Street. But with cell phones, how if I don't know where I am and I'm maybe nonverbal, how, does, how, does, how do you go about doing that? Well, we, it's, if you're on an address, if you're at your, the address where your phone is registered to, we can always do a, get subscriber information in an emergency and to find out where exactly you are. But if you're not at that location, then we can try to use the GPS on your cell phone. Unfortunately, it's not always 100% accurate. Like, it's within 100-meter radius and things like that, so we have yeah. to go searching. And so... If I'm like on Steeles, which is the border between York and, you know, Toronto, does my 911 call always go, and I'm, this is just an example, but was my, my, does my 911 call always go to the correct place? Uh, it depends on what cell tower it will bounce off of. Yeah. So it could go, like if you're on the south side of Steeles, it could bounce off Toronto or it could go to York and they have to transfer you through and vice versa. All right. Jennifer, interesting conversation. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Jennifer Weigel is with uh, the Toronto Police Service, communications operator, 911 operator, ask a 911 operator anything.